0: Open your Bibles, please, to John chapter ten. Did you see the the colored picture in the Ferndale newspaper of the proposed shopping center in Ferndale? Man, they, they broke out the color this week. I couldn't believe it. Um, and now this is not this is not the mega mall that they're proposing for Ferndale. Uh, this is just a. Forty thousand square feet of retail space and a new road and parking and so on. I think, if I understand it correctly, Grant's Drive-In is going to get torn down. Oh, let's have a big oh oh. How many years has that thing been here? Long time. Uh, Grant's Drive-In and that little building next door going to get torn down. Going to build a big old plaza in there. Going to have a Sonic Burger. Sweet, yeah. (laughs) Big changes coming to the little town that time forgot. Some folks are happy about changes. Some folks are in a dither. No doubt there are some folks who think change is normal and some folks who think change isn't normal. And, you know, those norms are up for debate. We can discuss which way things ought to be. But there are certain norms in Christianity that are not up for debate. There are things that are true of Christianity. They always have been true. They're always going to be true. And we come to some of those at the end of John chapter 10 today. I've entitled my message Normal Christianity, and I've done that on purpose because I'm afraid that in contemporary Christianity, some of these things are not seen as normal. But they are, because Jesus uh, lived them and told us they would be normal as well. Follow as I read John 10, starting in verse 31. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of these works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, quote, I said you are gods, unquote? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, You are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do the works of my father, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the father is in me and I in him. Therefore they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand and he went away beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first and there he stayed. Then many came to him and and said, John performed no sign, but all the things that John spoke about this man were true and many believed in him there. The first norm that I want to think about from this passage is this, the normal response to Christ. The normal response to Christ. The normal response is this, most people will argue with the validity of Christianity. Most people will argue about the validity of Christianity. They will say, no, it is not valid. That's what was going on here these uh, leaders of the jewish nation people who should have been prepared to receive their messiah were arguing constantly trying to tear down jesus and prove that what he was saying was not valid this little episode here mirrors one that came earlier from john 8. jesus said to them most assuredly i say to you before abraham was i am Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. They were upset with him because of his claim that he was the Son of God. This was a constant theme for them, and they constantly tried to tear him down. In our world today, people argue against a variety of things in Christianity and try to cast aspersions on the validity of it. The Bible has errors, they will say. The Bible was written by men, just the same as all of the other religious books. Every religion has a holy book. The Bible is just one of the crowd. They'll say Christianity is a young religion. There are other religions that are older, and so they must be just as valid, if not more so. They will say miracles could not have happened. We've never seen a miracle. Miracles don't happen in our human world. They'll say Christ couldn't be God and man together, and on and on the list goes. Whether it's the Da Vinci Code, or James Cameron uh, talking about, you know, supposedly the the burial place of Christ, and he didn't raise from the dead. Those things will go on and on. Uh, Christian, it is normal, it is normal for people to argue against the validity of Christianity. You should not be swayed from your position by the fact that so many people keep fighting against it. It's normal. It happened to Christ. And it is going to happen to you if it hasn't already. Don't be surprised when you bring up the topic of Christianity. that people, And, and when you do that, the people say this is just one idea among many ideas. And you can't know anything for certain anyway. For you and I who know and believe in and love Christ, we can hardly fathom why people would discount his reality. We look at them and think, what in the world is wrong with you? The truth is, that is a normal thing in the world. It's not a good thing. It's not a fun thing. It's not an easy thing. It's not a desirable thing. But it's a normal thing. We should not give up. We should not lay down. But we also should not roll over and run away it is normal for people to fight the validity of christianity it's also normal for most people to not like the message of christianity we talked about this in sunday school this morning and and, you know what's the problem god wants to forgive your sins and give you a home in heaven what's wrong with that And yet people argue and fight and will follow all kinds of other things. Listen to the progression as it goes in the Gospel of John. Right from the beginning of John talking about Jesus, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, that's our world, and the darkness did not comprehend it. It didn't get it, it didn't get a hold of him. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This is one of the things that so many people don't get. We talk about believing in Christ. We talk about the path to heaven. And all they can see is he's telling me I'm a sinner. And yet the purpose of his coming was not condemnation, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. Here we have the heart of the issue. These people talking to Jesus liked their life, they liked their system, and Jesus was saying, your system is no good, your life is not good enough, and they loved their life, they loved their sinful life, and they wanted to stay on the same path. Whether or not you try to, Christian, the very way that you live convicts some people of sin. And they don't like that. They don't like it. Men love darkness rather than light. We follow this path a little farther. For even his brothers did not believe in him. The brothers of Christ, his own family members did not believe in him. Then Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is, already, is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. This is the heart of the problem that people have with Christianity. Jesus says their works are sinful and nobody likes personal criticism. Nobody likes it. Even those people who take it fairly well still don't like it. No one likes to hear that the work they've been doing isn't good enough. No one likes to hear that their judgment or their decision on an issue was deficient. And people really don't like to hear that they are not good enough to get to heaven. I was talking to somebody recently about these kinds of things, an unbeliever, and they came to a point where they said, well, I think, you know, if you do enough good, you're going to go to heaven, and that's just what I think, and they were stubborn in clinging to their position that that they're going to earn their way to heaven doing good. People don't like to hear that they're a sinner, and they can't save themselves, Maybe you're here today and you've never heard that message. We, we want to we help you understand that you can't save yourself, but the good news is that God wants to save you. Jesus said to the leaders of Israel, your system of belief is broken. It is not sufficient to get you to heaven. And when he said that, that really upset some apple carts. That made them mad. So how do you suppose that people who grew up getting a trophy for just showing up on the Little League team are gonna respond when you say, on your own, you aren't righteous enough to go to heaven? Well, they're gonna say, I'm just fine. I don't know what in the world's wrong with you. How do you suppose someone from the greatest generation, as Tom Brokaw called those of you who won World War II, how do you suppose somebody from that generation is going to react when you say, you can't earn heaven, you're not that great, God will not receive your good deeds? What's, what's normally going to happen is the fur is going to fly. That's it, because you're telling people they're insufficient. Now, that's, that's not what we want to say. It's, it's not, I don't want to go out and say, hey, buddy, you're not good enough. But if you're gonna help people understand the gospel, you have to help them understand that they're sinners and that their good deeds won't get them to heaven. That's why they need to believe in the Jesus of the cross. He paid for your sin because you can't pay for it. And and that, that that little hurdle they have to get over is a great stumbling block for some people. Most people don't like the message of Christianity. Thirdly, third norm in the response to Christ is this. Most people will try to physically stop Christianity. Physically stop. Now, what do I mean by that? Look at this example of Jesus here. He makes uh, a statement in verse 30 that we did not read when we read the passage. He said, I and my Father are one. He clearly claimed to be divine, to be the Son of God. And when he said that, What was the reaction of the Jews in verse 31? Look at it. Did they get out their Torah scroll and say, "Uh, excuse me, I'd like to explain to you why it is theologically impossible for you to be the son of God? No, what did they do? They picked up stones to stone him. And You know, most of the commentators say the place they got the stones was from the construction of the temple, which was ongoing during this time. And so there would have been construction rubble laying around. And so they go over and and pick up the stones. That's their response. Have you ever had that? (laughs) Have you ever said, uh, excuse me, Uh, Jesus is the son of God, and if you don't believe in him, you're not going to go to heaven. And somebody, they don't say another word, they just go over and and they pick something up and get ready to throw it at you. I, I never have, praise the Lord. I never have. But in some parts of our world, they do. There are all kinds of challenges like that going on. But there are other physical ways to try to stop the message of Christianity. Um, One of them that I heard about this week, and maybe you did too if you were watching the the news, you know, uh, in the evening, Ken Hutchison, who is a pastor of a large, uh, biblically solid church down in Seattle, and a black man, used to play on the Seahawks, if you don't know who he is, And uh, an outspoken, an outspoken Christian against homosexuality, against abortion. He's so against abortion, they started an adoption agency in their church. I mean, he's he's trying to say, look, we're going to help you with your problem. And he's he's outspoken about it. And I'm not saying that everything he does is right, but he's an outspoken Christian for the truth. He only stands for the truth. He was invited to speak, I think maybe at, at the school of his daughter, And he was invited to speak as a Martin Luther King uh, event speaker. And if you've never heard his testimony, it's really interesting. As a black man, he hated white people. And as a teenager, he played football because he got to beat up white people on the other side of the line. And those are his words, not mine. I mean, that's exactly what he said. He was not a believer, and he hated white people, and he did what he could to hurt them. And eventually, he became a Christian, and God changed that. And now his church, I think, is something like 80% 80% white people and 20% minorities. And they're, they're trying to have a multicultural ministry. But God changed his heart. So that's his testimony. So he was asked to speak at a Martin Luther King Day uh, event at this school, basically saying, you know, racial hatred is no good, which we would all agree with. And what was the result? Up in the far corner, a teacher from that school, who is a lesbian, heckled him, and disrupted the meeting now did she say let's have a debate about homosexuality you open the bible i'll open my books we'll debate the issues in a in a uh, a calm intellectual philosophical manner and we'll let the crowd judge the merits no she just hack all out That's trying to physically stop Christianity. Friends, that is normal. That is not unusual. You're sure it's unusual in our world, but it's the pattern of what happens since Christianity was founded. Christianity suffered tremendous persecution for the first 300 or so years of its existence and still it mushroomed and grew. I put a little I put this in your bulletin and I hope you'll read it all word for word and I hope you'll do what I said, pray for our brothers and sisters in Bangladesh because we have brothers and sisters that I personally know and that we support. Islamic radicals in a Bangladesh village have meted out more beatings and death threats to Christians. Do the Islamic radicals say, let's sit down and have a debate? Let's get out the Koran the, the and let's get out the Bible because the Quran does commend portions of the Bible and let's have a debate on whether or not, you know, and let's talk about that. Is that what they said? No, we're gonna beat you and we're gonna threaten to kill you. This happened after a special police force meant to protect them withdrew. Yeah, police said, they could see the handwriting on the wall there. And so on it goes. Now, if you look to the very end of the paragraph, that same day, very end of the article, that same day, the In- Inkalab, a Bengali daily newspaper, published an article calling for a ban on the activity of Christian individuals, churches, and non governmental organizations throughout Bangladesh. We support a non governmental organization. They are specifically saying these kinds of things need to be stopped. They're not saying let's debate the issues. They're saying let's physically stop Christianity. What I want you to understand today is that's normal. That's normal in the world for Christianity. People don't normally engage Christianity on an intellectual basis. You can go to China. You can go to parts of Africa. You can go to many places and people just want to physically stop it. Most people here in this country won't hit you or cuss at you, but they will walk away and refuse to discuss the issues with an open mind. I believe Canada has has enacted a hate crimes law that essentially makes it tough to preach on issues like homosexuality and say God's truth because you could be in danger of violating the hate crimes law. Again, this is not an intellectual debate. This is let's just physically stop Christianity. And that's what happened to Jesus over and over. And of course, in the end with the crucifixion, the religious leaders believed they had stopped him by killing him. And of course, that's not what happened because God makes all things work together for good. God was in that beyond what they could see and he actually used their their foul motives and ideas to cause real salvation to come. But Christian, you need to understand that this world is not your friend. America is more friendly than most places. But you should not be surprised or deterred by the fact that these kind of things are the norm. Now what is the normal reply of Christ to all of that? Look with me at verse 34. They brought up a, they brought up, first of all, they began to stone him. And so actually in verse 32, he he defends himself, not with other stones, and not by running away. He says, many good works I have done. I have shown you from my father, for which of these works do you stone me? The Jews said, for a good work, we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God jesus answered them here's what i want you to understand christ answered this attack theologically christ answered them and how did he answer them he went back and quoted from the old testament as he often did when he was confronted by people who did not believe you see What they have said here is you have made yourself out to be God. And so Jesus decides to focus on the word God because that was such a big deal for them. And he goes back and he quotes from Psalm 82. And here's what Psalm 82 says. God stands, God the Father, God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. I said, you are gods and all of you are children of the Most High. But you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge on the earth, for you shall inherit all nations." Now, look what Jesus says. Jesus cites this text, and here's what he says in verse 34. Is it not written in your law, the word law is a reference to the Old Testament, I said you are gods. If he, God the Father, called them, human beings, gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him, that's Jesus, Whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God. Jesus makes a very interesting argument and he brings up a passage of scripture that's really pretty obscure for us. Have any of you taken note of Psalm 82 before today? And neither have I before this week of study. What is he saying? Is God talking like the Mormons? who say that human beings can become gods? No, he's using the word God to describe some unjust judges. They were people in Israel who had the responsibility to meet out justice based on the law and they were unjust. And he says, listen, you you are gods, but you're gonna die like men. He says, "You, you are acting like gods. You have a responsibility. God has given you his truth and you have a responsibility like God. That is, you meet out justice for people. And so there is a likeness there. And God calls them that. And he says, but you're going to die like men. So it's a, it's a passage of condemnation, not, not encouragement and blessing. And we really get some understanding of this concept when we go back to Exodus 4. Uh, 4. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, because Moses kept saying, I can't talk, and I can't be in public, and so God was upset with him. He said, is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he's also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, you will be glad, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him, and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what to say. So he shall be your spokesman to the people and he himself shall be as a mouth for you and you shall be to him as God. Now God wasn't saying to Moses, now you get to decide everything that goes on in the world. But he's saying, look, I'm, you're going to be like the mouth of God. I'm going to give you the truth. You're going to give it to Aaron. He's going to give it to Pharaoh. And so here is the way in which God is using this word. He's referring to these judges as people standing in the place of God. Now, here's what Jesus was trying to do. He he goes to the Pharisees and he says, Boys, you're really messed up here. They were just hot because of the word God being applied to a human being. And Jesus, Jesus gets out his Old Testament Of course, he he knew it all up here. They had an advantage over us, I suppose. And he quotes, and he says, hey, he called them gods. What's the problem with calling me God? Because not only am I a human being, but look at this. The Father sanctified and sent me into the world, and I've done all these miracles to prove who I am. Here's the big point I want to make with you. Christ answered this attack theologically. And not only this attack, but Christ answers every attack theologically. Now, what I mean by that is, he opens the Bible and says, Here is the truth. And suddenly, one of those who are with Jesus stretched out his hand. This is in the garden right before his arrest. He stretched out his hand, he drew his sword and he struck the servant of the high priest and he cut off his ear. But Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12,000 angels? Jesus was not limited to a theological answer he limited himself to a theological answer if jesus was was standing here talking to us and teaching us while he was having the interaction with the pharisees he might have said this listen guys excuse me listen if I wanted to physically dominate these guys, I could say, Father, would you send 12,000 angels to stand around them? And then I could say, "Uh, hey, fellas, what do you think about my opinion now? And they would all give, uh, they would all agree, but they would not believe. And so Jesus answers these things theologically. And we need to take a clue from that, folks. We must never resort to shouting with an unbeliever or an unruly believer. It is not gonna accomplish God's will. Uh, James, <clears throat> excuse me, James chapter one, the, the, the wrath of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Jesus didn't shout at these people. We must not look to the law to change people's hearts. Now, I'm I'm not for allowing abortion. I'm not for allowing homosexual marriage. I think if we can enact laws, that's wonderful. But that will not change people's hearts. We must learn God's word more and more so we can be ready to answer every person who asks about the hope that is within us. If you try to engage an unbeliever and discuss the truths of Christianity, you will lose some battles. You will, because you're not intellectually smarter than every single person who's out there. But you will share God's truth and eventually God will win some battles. Because, the third norm that we understand in the reply of Christ to the skeptics and the haters is this, Christ is absolutely undeterred by any attack. He is absolutely undeterred. I love this. Look what happens here, <clears throat> verse 39. Therefore, okay, again, at the end of his theological answer, what do they do in verse 39? Therefore, they sought to seize him. (laughs) First of all, they picked up stones, and then he answers their their questions, and he gives them a good godly answer. And so then they go, let's arrest him. And what does he do? He escaped out of their hand. Now, if you look back at verse 24, look at this. Then the Jews surrounded him. That word literally means that they stood all around him. They're in a circle, and he's in the middle. Okay? Okay? They surrounded him and they said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt if you are the Christ, tell us plainly? Then they took up stones to stone him. Therefore they sought to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. You need to understand, Christian, if you never have, that God is absolutely undeterred by attack. Let me ask it this way. What does Christ do in the world? This is a trick question. What does Christ do in the world? Answer, anything he wants. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's the marvelous truth. Yes, there are terrible attacks on Christ. Yes, the James Camerons and the the Da Vinci Code writer and all these people are going to keep hurling their attacks. And what does Christ do? He just marches right on. Should we try to answer them? Sure, we should try to answer them. But for sure, we should not be defeated or discouraged by the fact that there are attacks. Because number one, it's normal. And number two, the work of Christ is going to go on. Listen to this. Therefore, they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him. Why? Because his hour had not yet come. What does that mean? What it means is there was going to be an hour when christ was going to be arrested and he was going to be tried and he was going to be crucified but it was going to be when he decided it would happen and only then these words jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple and no one laid hands on him for his hour had not yet come john records this over and over and here's another example of it here he doesn't add his hour had not come But obviously, he just escaped out of their hand. There's people standing around in a circle. They're closing in to arrest him, and he walks away. (laughs) God is absolutely undeterred by any attack. Thank you, dear. That's okay. So what... What then, if Christ is absolutely undeterred by any attack, what is the normal result of Christ's work? Look with me at verse 40. Jesus went away. He went away from Jerusalem, and he never came back to Jerusalem until the Passion Week. He went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first. John the Baptist is dead now. He's been martyred. So, this is the place where he started his ministry. And there is where Jesus stayed. Verse 41 Then many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but all the things that John spoke about this man were true. And many believed in him there. Many believed in him there. What is the normal result of Christ's work in the world? The normal result, first of all, is this disciples are made. Disciples are made. Ben, I just can't thank you enough for sharing that testimony today Uh, of an Iwana kid coming to Christ on his own by learning the Bible verses. That just encourages me so much because it's exactly what God tells me he's going to do. It is the miracle of Christianity that people read the, the word of God and they go, that's the truth. That's what I need to do. We don't have to be there twisting the little kid's arm, even though we might like to twist that kid's arm. you know. <laughs> we don't need to. And I don't need to twist your arm. God's going to work in your heart. I ought to try to persuade you to believe the apostle Paul did that. But ultimately, I can rest in the fact that some disciples are going to be made in this process of sharing Christ. It's normal. It happens. We ought to work toward it. We ought to expect it. Um, I, I got a, a, a letter from a, a fellow that is Chinese. He, he lives here, and he goes back and forth to China and has a ministry there. Um, and I read a book on China before going, and Christianity was just about eradicated there through the Cultural Revolution. I mean, they really worked to stamp out everything westernized, which had to do not only with Christianity, but with uh, academic, higher academics, all kinds of things like that. Um, China is the most populous country in the world with 1.5 billion people. Um, let's see here, about one, let's see, Through 50-some years of persecution, God has purified his church in China. The number of Chinese Christians has increased about 100 times from less than a million up to 90 million in 50 years. So I ask again, what does Christ do in the world? Anything he wants. The Chinese government cannot stop the spread of Christianity. Neither can the Bangladeshi government, nor the Central African Republic, nor the American government. Christian, you are on the winning team. God is going to save some people, and you are going to be his agents of that salvation, his agents by sharing the word of God. No matter what sinful people say or do or how much criticism is hurled at Christianity, some disciples are going to be made. And you need to set your face for that and say, I'm I'm going to ignore the critics, I'll answer them, but I'm not going to be deterred. Disciples are made, that is the normal result of Christ's work. There's another norm that we've got to set our face for also, and that is this. Disciples are tried. Now, I don't mean a trial like going to court, but it's a similar concept. It means this God will allow trials in your life, and some of those trials will have to do with the fact that you believe in Christ and other people don't. A disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub or Satan, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, don't fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and whatever you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? Not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are numbered. It's getting a little easier for God to number some of our heads. But God knows you that well. Do not fear. You are of much more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him him I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. God says, Christian, it is normal for you to encounter people who will try to tear down your God, your Savior, your Christianity. And Jesus says, some of them might be in your own family. And he says, you've got to love me more than them. You've got to cling to me. If you love Christ, you will kindly, theologically, persistently stand up for Christ. We sang that old hymn, and I wouldn't be surprised that some of you sang it on autopilot stand up stand up for Jesus oh yeah this is the song when we always have to stand up in church and that's about all the more we think it's getting tougher in our society to stand up for Jesus it's not nearly as tough as it is in some places there aren't uh, so far there are not special police needed to be around our church while we're meeting who will be so cowardly as to walk away and let the haters come in and beat us up. That has not happened yet. And yet we we, we cave in at such lesser things. Lesser things like, like just speaking the truth to our co-worker. And he's going to make fun of us. He's going to call us a religious fanatic. or She's going to say, you're, you're such a, a conservative rube. You just don't understand the world. Christian, we need to to understand that it's normal for people to attack Christianity. There is a spiritual battle going on and it needs to be normal for us to stand up and be counted. And if we have to suffer the consequences, we have to suffer. Whoops i'm sorry go back well there it goes when i was in bangladesh last year john Sirkar, the the missionary that we support the ministry we support there he said he said do you know there is a hymn there's only one hymn in the english hymn book that's come from india and from indian people and i said no i didn't know that what is it and he said it's i have decided to follow jesus when, uh, he said here is the story of how that song was written he said a young man who was a teenager came to faith in christ and when he went home and told his family and he was a tribal person i believe john said he was in the bangladesh area which back in the day would have been part of india when this was written john he went home to his family in the tribal area and said i have become a christian And his family apparently had uh, some large amounts of money and whatnot. And they said to him, if you believe this, we're going to disinherit you. We're not going to give you any money. They tried to pressure him. And he said, no, I must believe in Christ. And so they put him out of their home and they disowned him. And according to the story that John told me, this fellow wrote this song or had these thoughts as he walked down the road leaving his family. If you don't love me more than family, you're not worthy of me. Wow. You know, the truth be told, most of us really don't know where we're at with this. Because we just haven't been tried. We don't know. We can have a great swelling in our heart and our throat and say, oh yes, I will stand up for Jesus. I think the way you're going to know how you'll respond to the big trial is by today or tomorrow responding to the little one and standing up for Jesus just a little and asking God to help you to keep on doing that no matter what comes.